0: Hello everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host Claire Watkins. We have sort of the end of the international break to wrap up, make some grand conclusions about where every team is going, uh, talk trophies a little bit. um, And to have that conversation with me, I have invited Courtney Stith back on the podcast. Courtney Stith, everybody knows her from Diaspora United. She's also a producer at CBS. How's it going, Courtney?
1: I'm doing well. Super excited to talk about the end of the international break. I feel like that was weirdly the longest two-week stretch of my life yeah (laughs) because for you it's big time right every time i look over i was like oh there's another game i'm really excited but i'm also exhausted
0: there were a (laughs) lot of games and like it's like the a double-edged sword right where it was it was amazing oh my god it was amazing um to have so much availability, like so much access to these games, but it did make you feel like you should watch all of them. And so you're like, wait, what, what time is it? What game is this that's happening here? Um, But yeah, so let's start, you know, start with the headliner here. Let's talk about the U S and this is going to be sort of an exciting conversation, I think, because, Last week, I was talking to Sophie Lawson, and it was a little bit more just sort of feeling things out a little bit. You know, they have a scoreless draw with Czech Republic. They beat New Zealand by quite a lot, but you can't really take so much away from that game. But it seems like in the finale against Iceland, the U.S. really starts... To, for lack of a better term, they start to cook a little bit, right? And so we get two incredible goals by Katarina Macario. We get another brace by Mallory Pugh. Christy Mewis gets the last goal. They win five to nothing over Iceland. They are, she believes, champions. Once again, the most prestigious trophy <laughs> in international soccer. um But so I know you've been watching very closely, and I think that what, what you and, and Andre talk about at, on Diaspora United, you, you have gone into some of the tactical stuff that the U.S. is trying out, right? And so maybe the first question is, how nice was it to see some of that start to really work in this game?
1: Yeah, I think, and I really think the key of that is, honestly, it's Cat. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, she was uh what awarded tor- tournament MVP at was, the very yeah. end. Yeah. Um, I mean, those two goals were absolute bangers. Like mm-hmm. when that first one went in, I was like. Oh shit! Like I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. But I think part of it was honestly just letting like cat be cat. Yeah. Like I mean, I Claire I actually saw your tweet. It was like cat's best position is central <laughs> wing or mid central
0: midfielder wing midfielder, midfielder striker. Attacker. Yes. So
1: she. Yeah. But it's like to me that's like the the best part of her game and why to me she's such a game changer is that like you just got to let her float and like mm-hmm. do her thing and she'll find ways to you know connect with other players do funny things like just take a look over your shoulder, chip the keeper when you think a play is like, I don't know, this play might die. Right.
0: Um,
1: but yeah, to me, it's just like not only more cohesion, of course, what I think they said out of this last line of that like seven out of the starting 11 were under the age of 25, mm-hmm. yeah. something like that. And so I think for a lot of it was like, obviously cohesion comes with time and playing together and like not just you know playing together in camps, um, but also just kind of letting cat actually like to me drop into that pocket and actually play
0: a true false nine as opposed right. to
1: we were like oh cat false nine but she was like loki still has to do like nine things right so <laughs> that's like-
0: that's a good point we should talk about that so this is it's fascinating because we are once again i think having this conversation of did this work like as planned is the coaching really clear um and or was this more of an individual piece of brilliance from, from Macario that sort of opened things up because those two goals were from distance, right? The first one uh, on the left side of the box, the other one on the right side of the box, it was really her just sort of being like, well, it's time to score. And so that's what she did. Um, You mentioned before we started, you know, the, the famous seven minutes that Katarina Macario got during the Tokyo Olympics, we saw in the first two games of this tournament, also, her being asked to do some very intricate things and play make for other people and, and play do hold up play, because a lot of what the nine has been traditionally for the US is sort of back to goal, hold up, let the wingers run in behind. Right. Um So did you walk away from this feeling like, yes, I feel great about Vladko Andonovsky's vision for this? Or did you walk away being more like, yes, Katarina Macario is a very good player and we already knew that?
1: Uh, I would probably say more of the latter Mm -hmm. only because we know that this is probably not going to be the starting 11 that we're going to see. Right. Let's say like in this summer's uh, world cup qualifying and also Olympic qualifying and gold cup qualifying. That tournament is going to be something. (laughs) It's a big
0: tournament. It is going to be something you're not wrong between like what Mexico's got going on and is in Mexico. We've got Canada playing. They played Well, um in this last international break yeah that's going to be a fascinating uh a fascinating tournament but yes you're right the the roster is not going to be exactly the same for that
1: yeah and so i like and i mean this is to me it was one of the reasons it was like we you know when you go talk about the olympics and like roster construction it's like you know oh do you want to rely on experience or do you want to bring some of the new people in to get them experience at the international level and i've like, we definitely did not see that from Kat, from the fact that she literally got seven minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> in the entirety of the Olympics. And so, and what I think really, really worked about this lineup and because the players are so young is I feel like now there is a, a shift away from the traditional number nine. Like, yeah. even if we think about the nines or who's the future of the national team in the nine spot, if we're not playing like false Nine, if we're playing a traditional one, mm-hmm. like to me, um, that could definitely be like an Ashley Hatch
0: sure. or yeah.
1: even a... Um, Morgan Weaver but to me they Mm -hmm. still completely play different than like for example if you think of like Alex Morgan
0: yes right like to me they're
1: just their roles just are completely different and so I think the nice thing and why especially by the third game it really started to work well is that we know all of these players just aren't not saying that the vets are like one-dimensional but they kind of grew up in an era of wanting I think players to think more creatively also kind of be like system players just I don't know. To me, the era of soccer that we're in now is like probably different than the era in which like an Alex Morgan, a Meg Rapinoe, really kind of yeah. came up in, and so sure. I think that worked really, really well, and like eventually started working well because we, would, I mean, we'd see diff- like rotation in the front line, different players going um, coming out wide, Ashley Sanchez coming in, looking really, really bright, being that create also being a, uh, a creative player in the midfield, and so I'm curious to see how these players will get integrated into, let's say, the traditional. 11, where maybe Vlako is more focused on his system and less focused on like, hey, let's just like let the kids do the things and the things they did were great. But
0: I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen going forward. Right. And I mean, I think that that's the push pull with the team right now is I know people are concerned of maybe the coaching staff overthinking it a little bit too much. But also when you do have this young group, they do need guidance. And I think probably the thing I was mostly concerned about with Macario was it it didn't it seemed like maybe her guidance was confusing. Maybe it it seemed like she didn't always know exactly where she was supposed to be. Um, Like you said, they kind of put her into this false nine. They say in media all the time, false nine, false nine. She says that's where she's most comfortable. But then her responsibilities are some very traditional nine responsibilities. And it seemed like she got caught sometimes between those two things. But it also felt like, and and we saw this in the first game with Rose Lavelle, and we saw this in the third game with Ashley Sanchez, that Macario really gets a spark playing with a creative 10, it seems like. Um, and I think the other thing, not for nothing with both of those players, you know, Andy Sullivan is a different kind of number six in that, in a lot of different ways than someone like Julie Ertz, but Sullivan mm-hmm. is not, she is very vocal on the field, but she's not Telling people what to do, maybe in the same way that uh, the US Sixes in the past have, and so in a way, there's freedom in that, but it also requires, I think, a little bit more forceful creativity from the attacking midfield. Um, and and you can see if you agree with agree with me on this, it seemed like, especially again, that first game, that third game, that there was the, if there was any fearlessness on the field, I felt like that's where it was coming from, and that maybe actually helped Macario be like, oh. I can do my best things too. (laughs) And, and Mm -hmm. the world's not going to come crashing down around me. So maybe did you see, or even how that progressed over the three games of that sort of sink or swim mentality with this new group?
1: Yeah, I think so a little bit. And I feel like it also, you know, kind of dependent on who their opposition was. Like one thing that I actually kind of noticed this entire international break, not just she believes, but also with the Arnold Clark cup, uh, the tournoi de France. Um, Mm I don't think there was that. Any- oh, and then even actually a little bit uh, with CONCACAF qualifiers right now mm-hmm. on the women's side. But that first game was also like um, the Czech Republic were just so staunch defensively. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I they were just in the simplest way, like just organized. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. in a way that we no, just not No, I know. It seems see. it
0: almost feels like you're being like very boring to say the things that they were but they were those things
1: (laughs) like they were just like organized well defensively like there were other times where I saw the defenses and I was like y'all are vibing right now yeah your structure is like a wet noodle Mm -hmm. um and so I think that definitely posed a problem of players not playing well together and then also being like I'm not necessarily sure what my role is but as the tournament did go on it was like okay we kind of get a feel for each other we also I think part of it too and why rose and cat work so well together besides the fact that they're so creative is that they also have played together so much that they're starting to kind of get into that synchronization of like oh i have an idea where rose is going i'm gonna go here or like i have an idea or she'll know where i want to go here and so we can kind of work off each other and that definitely did progress over the course of the tournament but also at the same time i'm like i I think even though this tournament surprisingly like answered some questions i had it also posed so many more of like yeah Right. How is this going to integrate with the full team when you have players like Megan Rapino back, right. Alex Morgan back, Chris and Press back, um, besides just like sheer competition, which is also going to be insane.
0: It is going to be very interesting. And it also, I mean, I think if there's one thing that we did also learn, right, and you think of this even from the own goals that they forced in in the second game. But so the, the winger talent, I've said this before, the winger talent on the U.S. right now is just out of this world. And a number of those players coming back into camp are also wingers technically, though I don't know if you would even really call Megan Rapino a winger anymore because <laughs> her she's a she's a dead ball specialist essentially. Um so it's it's those kinds of things and, and it's also interesting going into World Cup qualifying and theoretically the 2023 World Cup because you can carry some specialists on a 23 player roster in a way that you couldn't or couldn't in the past with an 18 player Olympic roster. Um and so I'm fascinated to see which of those things are valued um and I, we talked about this a little bit last week but you can start to pencil in the vets right I think Alyssa Nair probably Becky Sauerbrunn you can see Kelly O'Hara the players that that Andonofsky have said like okay these are these players if they can go they're going mm-hmm. and then there's more questions I think in the front line um but to your but point, also outside
1: back to me too like well, even and, though I just mentioned Kelly O'Hara but yeah to me, Sophia Huerta yeah down just oh, like that no, for sure any oh yeah yeah yeah
0: definitely no I, I I wasn't trying to highlight those players as ones that i thought did particularly well but the players that have made rosters before that have yeah. been still with the team um yeah no i thought Huerta was great i thought um but i also was again surprised watching these games let's talk outside back briefly some really nice performances and yet still, it feels like they're on a tightrope with that position, just like at all times still. And it just feels like, okay, now we've got Emily Fox, but you watch this tournament and you're like, oh, she's got to play every game. She can't. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep her, on
1: her. She we Honestly, her. she makes me so- laugh so hard as a player um, because she is like a left back but then you look up and sometimes she's just like in the midfield and it's yeah sometimes you're like literally what are you doing but also yeah. i'm enjoying this like yes. it's working right. yeah <laughs> where i feel like actually in that first uh what in that first match kelly o'hara was asked to do the same thing
0: yeah and i was
1: like i don't think this is working no as well. and
0: then that's how i got exposed time. like crazy right yeah um yeah and you have to be careful if you're doing that kind of a pivot right like you do need someone to stay home and if everybody wants to go you are putting a lot of, of pressure on the center back duo. Um, yeah, I, outside back is fascinating to me. And I, and I have to admit that I don't think that she believes was an incredible test on the defensive side. Um, obviously, yeah. the U.S. did not give up a goal in this tournament. Um, I think that we saw what someone like Sofia Huerta can do going forward. And we saw what Emily Fox can do going forward. We did not see many wing, the wing battles that you see against top top five top 10 teams and so i think right. that it's going to take different competition to get a sense of that um you never it seems like with the u.s they never expect their outside backs to get torched until they play they play like one really good team and they go oh that's right oh no sweden. yeah <laughs>
1: quite simply sweden like
0: yeah, right? sweden exactly.
1: always has that number um
0: yeah, i know i'm haunted I'm, i hope i i hope they are too um or like fr-
1: france or even england yeah, coming exactly up even Warham.
0: right exactly um well, and that also will depend on, and I'm sure they're still figuring this out, when you do have this winger depth, and obviously the U.S. wingers are very speedy, their their roles coming back, helping with defense, sort of figuring those roles out. I don't think the U.S. always got that right in 2021 um, mm-hmm. in what defensive help players up top were asked to to take on um and so that's how you did end up with like crystal dunn hating her life because she was like healthy and nobody crystal did crystal dunn yeah. somehow
1: succeeding yeah. Yeah. with covering three positions yes, like, exactly. it's truly so many times but yeah. well the interesting thing also about outside back to me is um you know we do have all like so much of this upcoming talent it is like it makes me want to know like okay what is the future for crystal dunn on this national team and we can talk about for example how yeah. well kat plays with creative players who's like a super creative player who just like amazing
0: right does not
1: play in the midfield. (laughs) for this national team it's up like quite simply a player like crystal dunn but then it's also like hello she's about to have a baby yes it's true like dealing with timelines as well
0: yeah it would be nice it'd be nice if maybe she comes back she she comes back and they're like, we've opened up a space in the midfield for you. And she goes, wow, amazing.
1: Like I was one time I literally joked uh, on the podcast, but I was like, hello, Crystal Dunn, Katerina Macario, dual tens. I was like false nine, 10, but also occasionally they switch.
0: Well, even Sanchez, Sanchez and Macario had that going on a little bit in that third game where they'd move in and out, which I think is actually, and I was thinking about this as well in the context of Ashley Hatch. Like you said, that's a player that's very different even than Alex Morgan is, I do think a little bit not to like call them the U S Washington spirit women's (laughs) national team, but I do think that that, that, that Washington system work would work really well for these players. Um, Mm -hmm. and so maybe that's my next question, which is, um, and you, you alluded to this early on that with the U S women's national team under Jill Ellis, there was this idea that She would do a lot of machinations to get who she thought was the best group on the field. But once they were on the field, they had roles. They had things very specifically they were being asked to do. I think like we were talking about with Macario, she is not a role player. She is someone that you like hand the keys to and say, go where you think you need to be and open up those pockets of space and score galazos, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that the U.S. can let some of that control go a little bit? Or do you think by the nature of being a national team, those rules have to stay really precise? I don't know. To
1: me, that's a really interesting question because I think one thing that I have, I've kind of been thinking about like throughout this last international break with a lot of teams is like you have so many of these teams have like such quality players mm-hmm. like quite simply just like internationals are they're just like falling out yeah, all the time they are
0: all well i think we're entering into a very cool era for that too like a lot of these teams just have some incredible footballers right
1: right and yeah. so and that's like when you kind of get that tension of okay do i want to have system players or do i want to let these really creative players just like let loose right which like could you know lead to you scoring a bajillion goals right but also with like actually kind of like we saw with the Czech Republic like with a you know well-drilled defensive team that yeah. is uh not saying that the Czech Republic did this but with other teams like is smart and can quickly play on the counter and cut you open right like that could also I mean you could literally even though Marcelo also just lost his job but like how leads play all yeah. going forward like right. every game is four three Yes. Which can be fun, yes. but also can pose a lot of problems on the international stage. Yeah. And so I hope that Vlocko does let them, like, uh, you know, let's go a little bit. And I think there are ways you can mitigate that. Let's not get exposed by, like, you know, for example, you could play two sixes, like a gutra and a right. Sullivan together, which, like, yes, is very defensive. But that also allows you to basically create, like, almost like a back four unit of sullivan gutra and then you know at the time the two
0: center backs right it gives you, it gives you a core which allows maybe your outside backs to drift a little bit more or your yeah. attacking midfielders right yeah
1: and also allows i think just like for a lot more freedom because you're not even though obviously all these players are all thinking about it but like you're not so concerned about maybe getting super exposed at the back right when you want to fly forward
0: yeah and i think that the the person actually who i i always feel like does a very good job sort of articulating that is crystal done because she is an attacking player who has been given a lot of defensive responsibility. And I think it's very well drilled into the U S players that you don't give up space. You don't give up gaps. You need to be pushing forward, but it needs to be systemic in a way that makes sense. Now the danger there. And I think we saw this a little bit. Well, we certainly saw in Tokyo, but I don't want to overstate what Tokyo was. We'll find out if that We don't know where that sits at this moment. We'll find out later, I think, um, whether it was an anomaly or not. But that idea of predictability that can come in with even a well-disciplined team, where are you recycling balls into the box a lot? Are you just kicking things out wide, sending them in? Are you pushing for set pieces? What do those set pieces look like? I still thought before the Macario goals really opened things up, that I was seeing some predictability in the box still. It Mm -hmm. didn't always feel like people knew where to go. Um, And I don't, and that might just be a, it comes with time. It comes with familiarity with one another, but also I think it's an interesting issue because I think that's frequently going to be the thing asked of the U S against any team. That's not in the top 10, right. Is you have to figure that out. And so here's, here's another big philosophical question. Okay. Should we, expect the U S to be able to figure that out every time, or is it just really hard to do as these other national teams do get better coached and do have better resources and get better at doing that specific thing of shutting a team down?
1: I mean, I would say yes, but I would also save that for honestly, a lot of teams in the top 10 that have yeah. really spectacular attacking talent. Um, it's actually funny that you brought up the predictability in Tokyo. Cause I did, I feel like even earlier maybe was it was it last she believes whenever we tied canada or be, or like barely beat them one nil and it was like literally a ball and it was chris and Press like put the ball right on sam usa's forehead and it like went in the ball yeah Or maybe that was a game against portugal
0: that's one certainly that's certainly how really- the u.s that's how the u.s tied sweden that one time right they were losing and then I think it was like pinot service to somebody at the very, very end who, who got that equalizer. But yeah.
1: Right. But it's like, I think we've we've actually seen bits and pieces of that predictability happen before. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, it was either like maybe getting an if- iffy penalty or just having like one tiny moment of brilliance that kind of yeah. got the U.S. out of it. But I don't necessarily think that's going to happen every time. Right. And so for that reason, I think that's like, it's why you need more creative players um and maybe it's a thing where you're not starting all i mean i could say all 22 of them like you're not starting necessarily all of your creative midfielders at the same time because maybe you want one of them to watch the game and then come in and like immediately start pulling strings
0: right right come in with an idea um yeah no that makes perfect sense you know and i think again the good news for the u.s is is i do think some of those creative roles are depth roles like those are positions of strength like there are I think every time Christy Mewis comes in, she gives a different look to that midfield. Um, You've got Lavelle. Obviously, they didn't even have Haran and Mewis this time, um, which I actually thought was really good, to be honest, because I I think that um, what I saw in that first game was a little bit some players looking around and being like oh it's just us. <laughs> right. It's just us now. <laughs> and I think even like a Lindsey Horan or a Sam Mewis can kind of temper that a little bit cuz they're like oh no it's okay we've got we've got Sam or, or we've got Lindsey. But no it was like it was truly just like if we're going to win this game we have to figure this out on our own. Um, so was there anybody else who who stuck out to you? Was there anyone I mean I thought obviously and it's hard to tell how much of that was Iceland getting stretched. Mallory Pugh had a very good second half in that game um so i love that
1: counterattack goal it was really like, nice it and was a the, goal we have not seen from this team in such a long just like pure yeah. smart counterattacking football i'm like there's no build up like because i even think sorry, sorry to go off, but no, go ahead, a please, point yeah during the olympics i remember it was probably during that new zealand game with mm-hmm. the six offside, call, offside, yeah. Call, yeah. offside yeah. goals yeah. but there was definitely a point where i was i was i remember watching that tournament and being like you have Like, all right, whatever your game plan is, quite simply is not working at the moment. Right. Either by nature of, like, you not being able to stay on side or for some other reason, you have smart, quick players. Just let them go on the counter. Right. As opposed to, like, bombing forward and being like, okay, let me stop. Let me turn around. Right. (laughs) Let me see who I can pass to. Obviously, it was not lackadaisical like that. but like No,
0: but I know exactly what you mean. It's like, it's that overthinking it thing, right? Where it's like, we we all watching at home know the ways that you are better than the team you are playing so do those things you know yeah
1: and it's like have the freedom to just like hello it's me and another two players like we have the creative ability and this like and quite simply the speed and the knowledge to quickly get around you yes let's just go for it and i feel like that was a really great example that's honestly probably what excited me most out of any goal that was scored mm-hmm. was I it was the, like, the
0: one-two between Macario and, and Pew? yeah
1: yeah because I was like we don't we haven't hit really hit teams on a, on the counter in a very long time and there are yeah. obviously reasons for that like depending on who we're playing and game plan and things like sure. that but yeah sometimes just having that in your like, in your back pocket yeah to me like that is almost the secret to success when you are playing against a team that is so well drilled and all that stuff and like almost what was missing from Tokyo not being able to score of like right just freedom to go forward and like let's quite simply just run at people
0: i mean that makes perfect sense too like even if you translate it to that sweden debacle right where they were just getting outworked in the midfield and and burnt on the wings maybe sometimes what you do there is you say okay, well, we're not going to move into the spaces where we're being disrupted. We're going to force you to move into space. And then we are going to try to flip this on its head. Like that having those options is good. And I think you're right to where I, I would say that I'm very excited about the maturation uh, of Mallory Pugh. She is not the same player she was when she was 19. Right. Obviously Katarina Macario, when given space, can work on this other level. And I do think you saw with that particular goal, it was a fast goal, but it also wasn't right. Because Macario mm-hmm. has, she gets to choose. She gets to choose whether she wants to shoot or she wants to pass. And I do think it's significant. Not only that she chose to pass, cause that's a heads up play. That's really doing your teammate a solid, right. And that Pew sunk it because that is also not always a guarantee with that player. So I think that right. when we got to that point, you can see, I always try to kind of describe it as like a matrix moment, where you can watch a player be like, oh, everyone around me is moving in slow motion right now. But like me and my teammate, we're the only ones moving at full (laughs) speed. And I can just, I like, I can see everything. And so I think that getting to that point so quickly is great because it's not, it's not a like placing the ball on some, I mean, no disrespect to placing a ball on Ashley Hatch's noggin because she does great with that, but (laughs) you need to have different looks, right? And so that was really exciting to see.
1: Yeah, and I I think one thing that also excites me about that is that we also have, like, players who can continue doing that. Like, it's not just a Mal and Cat yeah. type thing. Right. But, like, Mid- I mean, Midge is incredible 1v- 1v1. Right. Like, yeah. I can't honestly yeah. think out of that squad a better one 1v- one She had kind of an underrated player.
0: tournament, I thought. Because I think maybe it's just she's so good at what it is that she does. And it's also, from her position, she's so good at getting end line that mm. it's not her... F- fault when people don't get off the end of it,
1: <laughs> yeah. right well and i mean we did see that that what that fifth goal was right. uh yeah. what i called a gothams a gotham goal
0: that's right you was stuck that toe out and got, got, a piece <laughs> got that of, goal yeah, exactly but yeah huh. i think
1: just that ability like i mean i think this is kind of a an entire thing in the game of soccer right like we come out with game plan yeah and then game plan is not working. What can we do to quickly shift something? And mm-hmm. that to me, that was a really good example of like, oh, let's try something different. And then it like it worked. And I was like, yes, this yeah. is good for Vlaco's analytics. 100- know yes,
0: analytics. right. We need positive reinforcement. Right? <laughs> it's like let them machine do it says, again. Machine says good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so funny, but it's true. Um, Okay. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think that was a really exciting game. I got a very distinct, I remember 2017. And I remember, you know, this sounds wild to people, but like I remember when Sam Mewis started getting her first real starts for this team. I remember when they took some step forwards in midfield creativity post 2015 and 2016. I'm getting that energy from this. And I do think if there's anything we learned from the Ellis years, it's that with a lot of these American players, you're just trying not to mess them up right you're just trying to mm-hmm. let them do what they do best um, so congratulations to the U.S. I think it would have been very embarrassing if they had not won this tournament so I'm glad that they did that just to like it would have been embarrassing but I,
1: I kind of I, I know everyone kind of wanted like a, it a little, little bit, bit. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. just like what's gonna happen like I'm yeah. curious like what what it, besides narrative but like what's gonna happen next like Waco now is kind of even more in the hot seat right yeah what's he gonna do
0: right starting to sweat a little bit so let's switch over to what's been going on in in europe we saw the close of of those tournaments as well um france pretty dominant uh at, at home the it seems like i feel like i got some insight not only from sophie last week but just from watching on sort of what's going on with the netherlands right now i think mark parsons I don't want to say he's overlooking the Euros, but I think he is trying to do two things at once. And sometimes that means that they're going to win. And sometimes it means that they might not. Um, Mm -hmm. France is looking good. A number of players that were not on that 2019 squad are just balling out right now. Um, Marie Antoinette Cototo is like... How dare you leave her off 2019? I know. I'm still... It's just... her I mean, goal it's, ratio like it's very, it's very reductive. It's so reductive to say if you had brought this player, you would have won. But if they had, had brought her, I think they would have
1: won. I will, I will yeah. easily say that. Yeah, <laughs> like um, the four, her connection between her and Diani, like yeah, yeah, it's spectacular.
0: Yeah, so so they look good. They look great going into the Euros. Um, Arnold Clark England gets the big he believes cup. Yeah, the, the he the he believed <laughs> cup um everyone had a lot of fun with that arnold clark i don't know if, if people listening know this but he was a used car salesman <laughs> and uh is that that company still called arnold clark was the sponsor but as everybody knows he also um invented women's football so um oh, he did he yeah. brought it back he got rid of the ban. he that's right <laughs> he, said he, rid not, of the band. he said not on my watch um so I think that we saw, we certainly saw a better showing from Spain in, in their tournament finale, right? Um, England against Germany was interesting in that for England, it seems like things were very much not working and then suddenly they were working very well, um, on the flip side for Germany, Germany, it was very competitive game until it stopped being that right. Um, yeah. But I also let's talk about they weren't
1: great at finishing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's that element. They had one, you know, that one amazing uh, uh, free kick, but that was, that was it. And, but let's talk about tactical changes. Cause I think the one thing that struck me is, and I, and I talked to Sophie about this a little bit last week, but some of our preconceived notions of these teams are not yet fully f- or are not yet fully switched. Cause we're dealing with new coaches. And I mm-hmm. think, if, you know, England in particular is fascinating to me because as we all know, it's a home Euros. They're placing a lot of expectations on this. We know how hard that can be. We saw France kind of crumple with it in 2019. Um, Brand new manager, right? It's like this is how they're going to decide if WSL is the greatest league in the world or not. It's like uh, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But we saw something a little bit different from them in this Germany game, I thought, that made me think like, oh, I think they could win games where they're still not playing at their absolute best, and that feels different. So I would like you to talk about Millie Bright as the number (laughs) nine. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's like the secret to england success is occasionally why just did they
0: never think moving millie
1: bright to the number nine yeah, in her Scoring, exactly. and i know people are like it's an offside goal and i was like i think that ball came off the defender mm-hmm. but i fab doesn't matter where you have it comes off the opposition player you can go and score um no millie bright is a number nine uh, i can't lie i did not see that live i purposely went back and watched it because i was like i need to see this and all of its glory yeah because first of all why but also, why not?
0: You <laughs> like, know, what? you know, I mean, did we try Becky Sauerbrunn as the number nine in Japan? No, no we did not.
1: Laca, so We might have a- had a gold instead of a rose gold just medal. Who thought. knows? Yeah. Who knows? But I do think, honestly, I mean, I feel like so. It's funny thinking even about the US. Like, there are so many times where we're like, we just want to like switch something up. Like, I remember um, at times even got them last last season like when mid was in a as forward and then occasionally was just like a, a right back and it was yeah, like right, you know what yep. switching things up trying to make things happen throw people off putting your center back as a number nine just to throw them off for like 10 minutes yeah honestly kind of worked yeah i like, also she got the
0: goal yeah and i think the the funny thing and this is i think universally true um across gender lines is you everybody knows we've talked about this with other players before there are these center backs that in the backs of their minds they're actually target strikers and they're like oh do you want to know why knows this secret is me i'm the only one who actually (laughs) knows uh as a center back i used to play a center back i started
1: my soccer career as a forward yeah you just worked your way backwards i worked my way backwards yeah happens to most center backs it's it's true you start on that front line and
0: then you work with backwards and you're like you know what it's my chance that's right i'm a target striker yep it's just about the confidence yeah i mean i think to speak about it seriously was very funny right because millie bright shared the golden boot
1: (laughs) greatest photo i've ever seen like it's it's just so (laughs) funny
0: but um like i i think that but but i do have to say in a serious fashion you know England had never beaten Germany before. is that right? That was I think their first win against Germany. Um yeah, I think I, it was their first win yeah they've they've tied them before I think uh and I do think what we saw going back and this is maybe the last- you know touch point for people with this team, but Phil Neville's England struggled with their mentality they really like there was a lot of underperforming to the talent level that they had, and I think that. Again, when you're talking about going into a home Euros, the mentality element is going to be really important. Whether it is believing that you can get an equalizer or holding on to a close lead, beating teams that you've never beaten before, Um, and I think that if you already have the squad kind of doing things like sending Millie Bright out (laughs) uh, and (laughs) confidence, confidence, confidence. exactly, yeah, never seen before, smart. so yeah, so there's that I guess maybe my question for you even just as a casual and I I'd like say, you know, Sophie Sophie Lawson is the she's the real European expert here, but we're just kind of talking as people who who check in when we can. Do you have a team in the Euros that that you're maybe most excited to see or a team that you are like, oh, I really want them to get over the top this time? Do you have a do you have a favorite? Do you have a team that you really like watching the most?
1: Yeah, I would say Honestly, probably France. Yeah, like the just the quality that they have in every position, and I know even like this tournament they were like you know missing really key players. Like I don't know if Eugenie Lissomere is ever going to come back in the mix, but I mean like right, she's you know one of your uh, one of your best forwards. But also uh, thinking about like um, Majri was mm-hmm. missing. Like there were right. definitely players missing, but to me they're yeah. probably a really they're like a really really. Uh, they're a side that's really, really fun to watch, par- mm-hmm. partially because they just love embarrassing people. Like they're all yes. trying to get the cheeky flick, yeah. the nutmeg. It just adds a lot of fun. I'm also curious about Spain mm-hmm. because to me, it's like if there was any ever casual fan that just like watched them, you're like, oh, they're going to demolish teams. Right. But they I are, think they are what- the
0: best like football players on the planet. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I think part of it and what, is honestly going to hold them up. And I know we heard this so many times on comms and like Spain, is not Barcelona. Right.
0: right but right.
1: a big part of that side is comprised of Barcelona players. Yeah. And Barcelona players genuinely play every three days.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like they just, you know quite what? you're play the first person to bring that time. up to me, but you're right. Yeah. Cause to and me, they stayed in for a long time and they stayed in for a long time. Yeah.
1: Like to me, they looked at the end, looked honestly kind of leggy.
0: Yeah.
1: Like it was just, So clear to me that I was like, you guys all have a lot of miles on their legs, yeah, on your legs, and even though you might be like the top tier quality players, what might like what might be your Achilles' heel is Mm -hmm. how much you guys play all the time,
0: yeah.
1: Because also compared like the D one Arkema or no, sorry, not D one Camera, Primera Iberdrola. Mm -hmm. um They have eighteen teams in the league as opposed to the leagues in France and. In England where I think it's 12 over 12 14 yeah
0: that's like, like just
1: that, right? like yeah. just having like just <laughs> having to play games. 18 yeah yeah like 17 other teams over the course of the season plus cup competitions and uh the champions like that's just it's just miles on your legs
0: yeah right well and it's also an, an element of and this is something that people have spoken about before but maybe not on this angle which is yeah Spain is is primarily made up of Barcelona and Real Madrid players and so your fortunes become tied to two club teams and two club team schedules and the rotations and the the goals of of that those clubs. Um, whereas if you're able to pull players in, I mean, I've, we've seen this from other you know teams, right? Like it's not like France's France's squads is like you know all over the place, but um, it it definitely does change the dynamic and you maybe think right like chemistry 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 but there's there's downsides to that too and we've seen that with other teams as well where if you lean too much on that eventually you you might have players who are like looking inside themselves for that last five percent and that is gone you know
1: right yeah because also yeah this year is coming after long club seasons for a lot of these players and a lot yeah. of these like you know talking about clubs that primarily make up national teams like their seasons are long like mm-hmm. they're I th- they're like longer than the NWSL. Yes, they, are. No? Yeah, they are. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: With you know, also quite simply more competitions. Like they have yep. FA cups and yep. so many. So just like natural, more sporting. So, I think going into the Euros, <laughs> it's this. Maybe this is too simple to say, but like, I think the team that will do the best is almost a team that just has like the most fit players.
0: That is the way it goes. Sometimes, I mean, we all saw. And summer, summertime is always interesting too, right? Because everybody theoretically is sort of on that same off season schedule. Um, yeah, I think it should hopefully be a good tournament. I mean, I think like many of these, maybe the opening games are not a ton to write home about, but then hopefully it heats up a little bit as it goes on. I like France. Um, I gotta say, I like, I liked what I saw from England. Uh, Spain, I think is, I don't know if they're my favorites, but they're a dark horse, I think, um, they just got to pick the right game to turn it on, I guess, is maybe the, the way I would say it with Spain. Uh, and then I just think that the real wild cards are managers, right? Because, mm-hmm. yes, France has some really good players who are playing really well together. Their manager has a contentious relationship with some members of that squad, right? Um, and has for years. It's um, almost <laughs> like
1: what the U.S. national team being like, we won despite journalists. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, exactly. I don't know, that might happen again. Right. But it also yeah. might backfire
0: it it does happen sometimes um yeah and then you have new coaches elsewhere or you do have a project like the netherlands where i think what we what we see from them is obviously they want to go out and compete as best they can this summer but i think they're also building for the world cup i think that they are Mm -hmm. at, at this moment um trying to shore up uh depth issues and and so that's kind of where you saw them get creamed sometime in this tournament but that was because of who they were playing they were they were trying to get minutes underneath a number of players who don't have a ton of international experience um so it just still depend i think on on what yeah what, what goals people come in with and also never count out sweden who did win the algarve cup though it did take yeah. penalties to get there but um i think that they're another team that might they're 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 always the bridesmaid never the bride bride. (laughs) (laughs) yeah honestly yeah definitely
1: sweden also if i were to ever like if i was just like dark horse honestly it might be italy
0: oh that's actually a good point yeah think about
1: like juventus 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 has really i
0: mean in champions league and again you shouldn't equate with club teams but like that's my point of reference for them um and they've always played well it's maybe like it's their time to start having like results come from that right
1: yeah definitely if, yeah if i were to like if i'm just like 100% dark horse it would yeah. probably be italy or even like i know like iceland got creamed but i thought they played over the course of the tournament they like prayed uh played pretty well they're a young yeah. player of the year i cannot remember but her last name is john like mm-hmm. gunny but <laughs> uh, but she's like 20 and mm-hmm. was banged so many goals in the uh the dumbest gallon. I yeah, don't know if that's in Sweden. Yeah, it. Um, yeah. No,
0: um, I think that's a good point. I mean, you look at the the other competition, and she believes, and I think that that structure was pretty clear, right? Where like it was, it was a little bit odd because Czech Republic put it all together against the U.S., but then um, they didn't really try so hard against Iceland because they're sort of maybe saving that for later. Iceland mm. played quite well. Um, yeah, I, I like Iceland too. I do like Iceland. I would like that for them as well. Um yeah it'll be it'll be fun to watch it'll be fun to watch uh final question final question for you talking talking teams playing elsewhere um canada canada Canada. i think did pretty well for themselves they didn't have an amazing last game right against spain so this is setting the stage maybe for what is not what comes next because there's going to be an april international break before we get to competitive games are going to be more friendlies but Looking at CONCACAF coming up down the road here, traditionally, one team wins that, right? And it's the United States. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like we might see... It just feels like maybe we're going in with a little bit more of an edge this year. And even again, just with the strides that Mexico has made. um, Does it feel like we might get some surprises in CONCACAF, even if they're just like slight ones?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so partially, uh, especially with Mexico, the, yeah. the growth of that program has been really spectacular and also really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, obviously like with CONCACAF qualifying, like this uh, coming out of this last international break, we saw some really, really lopsided score lines scorelines. Like there was yeah. a 19 yeah. zero. Um, <laughs> it's like,
0: you got to start somewhere. Right. And unfortunately where you start is 19 zero and then hopefully year after it, year after year that will improve. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: But I think. Um, I mean, I'm actually really, really excited for the future of Concacaf on the women's yeah. side because, um, Canada is coming up, and mm-hmm. I think part of it, this, like, I I don't know. I thought Canada played really well over the whole. There were mm-hmm. obviously some parts of like, yeah, these things need fixing, or you know, this isn't necessarily your. You're starting on like,
0: slight depth issues in certain areas, you know, not unlike some at, other teams, yeah.
1: At a point that midfield was just Swiss cheese, <laughs> I was yeah, like, Yeah, only could
0: play all the time, yeah, all right. the time.
1: Yeah. Um, but no, I think the future of CONCACAF, like, it's gonna start getting a lot spicier, and so. I'm really excited about that. I think there are gonna be definitely a few upsets mm-hmm. that we're not expecting, especially for those six teams coming in, mm-hmm. um. Like, not only Mexico, but I thought Panama was playing really well. Yep. Jamaica, Bunny Shaw is just going to like cream someone. Yep.
0: (laughs) Yep. Jamaica's had a couple really good ones. Yeah.
1: Be thrilled to watch. Um, So, yes, to answer your your question about Canada, I do think uh, they're going to continue growing as a program and they're going to make it a lot spicier. Look, once. Once Bev Priestman just starts Deanne Rose and Michelle Prince together, <laughs> ah,
0: it's gonna be oh,
1: over for so many
0: defense. You know, about Courtney, hitting people on the you're counter. You're never wrong. You're never wrong. You're so right about that. It's so true. It's so true. Um, yeah, Deanne Rose is one to watch for sure. Um, Wait, but Claire, I have one question for you. Yes. Last game of She Believes, mm.
1: Emily saw a handball in the box. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> to me that was such or no sorry that was the first game of She Believes and I yeah. was like penalty all the way yeah it not called.
0: well it, it's one of those things where I'll just say this and I'm actually really bad about this and I know this which is with friendlies when those things happen I'm generally kind of like yeah whatever you know like like the the first goal was offside too um in, oh, yeah. in the in the last game but uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It was a handball. 100%. Um, I always find that fascinating, too, because when those calls get missed and then you're going to go into competitive play with VAR, you're like, are you ready for this? Because <laughs> calls are going to be different. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. Yeah, I
1: saw that and I was like, well, yeah. oh, I was also like, I wanted it, the game to be spicier. So I was like, handball, Czech Republic goes up 1-0. Oh, what yeah. Are you gonna do? What are you going to do? Been,
0: it would have been better... For everybody, I think, if that had happened, because it would have forced the U.S. to do something different. It would have been interesting. And I think for the neutral who was just going like, do anything, you know, I think <laughs> the vibes, yeah, even the though vibes. I will say Casey
1: Murphy oh, for might sure. have saved that just by lying down on the ground of being just long and tall yes tall.
0: never never count her out um yeah no i mean that's always fascinating too because i think you were talking about the she believes with canada and i remember that game that was another one i think there was a handball that didn't get called and so the u.s wins one to nothing and we go yes the u.s wins one to nothing but then you have these missed calls and you're like well (laughs) you can't like you can't spend too much uh time talking about the result because if it had been officiated differently that wouldn't have been the result but um yeah, usually yeah. I will say this. This is just personal. Usually I tend to be in favor of letting not ever putting people into an unsafe position, but I do want things to like really happen for them to happen, you know? Um mm-hmm. but yeah, no, that was fully, fully a handball in the box. Um,
1: and also like everyone stopped and I was like, bro. Yeah.
0: I think everyone like knew. Handball. And then yeah.
1: The handball. the handball i was just <laughs> yeah. i was like wait a second i was like not enough people are talking about this
0: it's true it's no I, I do think that's what it is i think it's confirmation bias a little bit and i think it's also just with these friendly tournaments because it's all about process and a lot less about the results then you you just sort of overlook it but um yeah the u.s i will say this and this is also like part of it right with with even tournois de france and and arnold clark uh is uh you you get some homer sorry i did a salute um you get you get some homer reffing and even it just happens it does and that's just an element of of hosting your own tournament and that's why teams like to do that so much so um i do think that that's part of it well i think the the fun thing is that we said all of this stuff and i meant it and I think Courtney said a lot of really good stuff. And then by the next international break, it'll all be irrelevant. We'll be learning new stuff anyway. <laughs> so that's the great thing about these friendlies is you get to really just have fun with ideas and not worry too much about uh, who wins. So always nice to win a trophy. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Tro- nice trophy lift. Get to see yeah. the vibes. Yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah, so. I, I, I've said this before, but I really do enjoy the games that, don't matter as much as I do the ones that do, because that's when you get into some of the real nerdy stuff because people are not afraid to try something new. So I think we definitely saw that. Uh, Thank you, Courtney, so much for joining me. This was great. There'll be more NWSL stuff coming up soon, right? Challenge Cup is coming up. Uh, I have been your host, Claire Watkins. Shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy. uh, And we will be back with you next week.